Hot round. Red seven. Red seven. Red seven. Don. What? Red seven. I don't know what red seven means. Hot round. I don't. What is hot round? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob. This is it. The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is going to work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide-open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you going to get me the oh, ball? Oh, get you the ball! Get me the ball! I hope he didn't kill somebody. Welcome into the 57th episode of Love and Personnel. I'm Nick Roush with Adam Luckett in a training camp edition of the football podcast where Luckett last week we were speaking and the SEC football schedule had just been released. We were kind of running around like chickens with our heads cut off. The football team had just started running around with helmets on. They hadn't really done anything yet, but we're up to five practices now. They've, they've put on the shoulder pads. They've popped them around a little bit, and it's starting to feel more like football season. It is. You've had uh, – how many times have you talked to them already? Three? Four? Uh, four. How many media sessions have you been to? Right, so we got Stoops. We had two with Gran, a White, and another Stoops. So that, that'd be five. Yeah. How's it feel to do that? In a virtual setting. Man, I'm bad at it. Because uh, my ADD is so bad on a computer that, like, now when I tune out the coaches because they're answering a question I don't care about, I can just get – I'm not just staring at a wall, you know, or, like, staring through my phone. I get very easily distracted. And I've found myself writing 1,000-word practice report, reports. And I just – I can't be doing that consistently. I just can't. So – it's 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 weird, but and I can't ask my dumb questions like it. I really hate that I can't do that. It um, it seems like you know, be obviously pro and con. Like you can just go to your little lair instead of having to make it the commute, but you also mm. don't. There's something to be said for being there, and there's stuff you can kind of see trickling out of practice. Oh yeah, yeah. Or side conversations extra, you can hear. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where you don't get that now, but. Well, you, you don't get the, like, like today we had Justin Rigg. And I'm, like, Rigg's a guy that, like, he's he's pretty normal. He's one of those guys that I can, like, chat up afterwards for a few minutes about just nothing. And, you know, that goes a long way. He's just, he's like, uh, today Josh Moore was like, I know you like the movies. How you been doing without the movie theaters? And it's like, well, I'd like to know more about his movie watching habit and what movies he's been watching, but it feels, it just feels weird over zoom. So there's some weird I, parts to it. We're big movie theater people, me and Taylor, and we've oh, missed it. So really? we're, we're right there with you, Rig. Oh, man. Yeah. The yeah. big, uh, the big Christopher Nolan movies coming out. Tenet. Like, yeah. That's, you know, Labor Day that's weekend. been pushed back uh, many times. So I guess they're just releasing it via on demand. No, they said it's only going to be in only select theaters. So wherever theaters are open, they're going to have it there. I may have to look that up how far away. Because that's, that's obviously Christopher Nolan's probably my favorite director. I love all the stuff he does. And those but anyway, that's movie that... buff locket for you. <laughs> who, who knew that you had so many different <laughs> hats to wear? Like, like Tony yeah. and Eddie. Um, but no, that, that, uh, that kind of small talk you missed. Now, it was kind of nice, like. Mm -hmm. uh five minutes before we were we were supposed to go in at six and it got pushed back and in that 15 minute span my son had a huge blowout and i was able to like help instead of you know mm -hmm. leaving my wife up a creek without a paddle so there's 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 definitely some positives to some negatives to it and what also was cool is with this access like they're giving us more photos in practice more videos so like tonight's practice post is two minutes of just them doing drills that you normally wouldn't get or you would get it in like some highly cut up video where this is just pretty blase right. b-roll so there, there are definitely some setbacks to it but i, I still think that despite the setups, we're getting some really juicy information like it yeah is bryce oliver the new tj carter who that's a you know what i like that um question and i'm going to say yes uh because the freshmen have really been the flavor of the month they're, they're, you know, they're, 
Yeah. They're fun to name drop. But we knew that was coming in, though. Like, Especially we knew with that they class. were going to get a lot of hype. Right, right. But and like even Oliver, on signing day, they haven't the, – just the coaching staff has not tempered expectations for that group. No. In, in fact, it's it's been unlike any other. Like, I, I've done this since – 2012 as soon as Stoops got here I was going all these practices he always was pumping the brakes he's not pumping the brakes at all this year so that's that's what's getting excited about we can talk about that later but I like the way you phrase that question though like it because TJ Carter was a guy who if he's improving then this unit is going to be exponentially better and so far Bryce Oliver has been not only good but consistent through five practices and, I mean, the passing game is a big topic right now uh, because, like Grant said today, he wants to get balance back in the offense, a.k.a. I don't want to run it 65 times a game, no matter how fun that is to some people. <laughs> but – and it's building that. And with that, you know, Josh Ali, it's been pretty clear that he's, you know, the wide receiver one. Right. Um, and he's a guy, though, I think they're probably going to move inside. He's going to play a lot in the slot this season. So, really, it's finding guys on the outside. And I think this guy is a candidate to, you know, be kind of a starter and kind of that maybe second or third leading receiver behind Ollie. And, I mean, it, it's been like every media session his name's been brought up. So, it sounds like he's making plays. And even you go back to Eddie Grand's first first time he met with y'all, he said it wasn't necessarily giving Bryce hype. It was just like we need Bryce Oliver to be good we need him to produce so it was the same kind of challenge that brad white gave quentin bohanna where yes yes like all right that's good what you did but we need this consistent and i really like just uh you know if if i had the uh wherewithal to add the clips like the, the actual soundbite that brad white had um, I've got the video on YouTube. Hell, I might just pull up the soundbite and, and insert it right here. Quentin and I have had quite a few talks because I have very lofty expectations for what he can be for us. And I will not shy away from that. And he doesn't want me to shy away from the fact that I we need more out of him. And I expect more. It's, it's not about being, you know, a one player or a two play a game, you know, that looks good in a highlight film. It has to be consistent down in and down out. And, you know, again, he, he wasn't just a, a highlight guy. He, you know, he does a lot of the dirty work that no, nobody sees. He commands a lot of double teams. He keeps guys free. Uh, but what I expect of him is to do that and then more. So it's his job plus is what we talk about. And what he can do is he can hold point. And when a guy comes off, I expect him to tear off. I really expect to get more out of him in the pass rush game this year. You know, he doesn't need to just be thought of as a run guy. He's got enough uh, twitch and short area burst and strength that he can affect the pass game. And we need him to. Um, Because there's going to be times that he gets the one-on-one. And when he gets the one-on-one, there should be nobody that can block him. And so that's, that's the expectation for him. That's what I expect him to do. Uh, you know, we're, you know, Marquand, same way. Like, there's nobody that should be able to, to one-on-one block Marquand. If they do, I expect those guys to make a play. The th- thing about the way that White put it is that when you read it, it can sound like it's kind of harsh for Quentin Bohanna. You know, like, we don't need you just making a few highlights a game. We need you to be consistent. But that's not to say he's not doing more. But really, here's the deal. I'm lighting a fire up his ass. I'm 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 putting a, a foot right there, kicking him in the keister and trying to get this guy going because mm-hmm. his the, the significance of how his ceiling is is really the defensive line ceiling to an extent. Yes. And that can be said the same about the pass catchers where if Bryce Oliver looks like the guy who's out there mossing on dudes on a regular basis who's playing fast it, it makes the offense look completely different. It really stretches things out and, and opens up Eddie Grant's playbook. I think they just want more havoc from that position. It's just been too much of a position of just hold your ground, don't get beat, and let the guys behind you or the guys on the edge make plays. 
for the defense to reach their full potential, I think they need guys in the three down. They need them to make plays too. I think that's part of the reason they're moving Pascal down inside because they think he's a guy that can provide it. And I think they think Bohanna going into the senior year has played a lot of football. He's seen it in small doses. Like you turn on the Louisville tape, you see him making some plays. I think that's really what they want. They want the tackles for loss. They want the run stuff. They want inside Mm -hmm. pressures from, you know, the nose uh, on passing situations, stuff like that. I think that's really what White was getting at was we need more havoc. We need more negative plays um, from that group. Well, and, and to that point, he, he he also called out Bully when he said, you know, somebody's going to get the one-on-ones, and whoever gets them has to go make a play. And uh, Bully McCall, that's another dude that that got some – some shout outs today. There's right. kind of few I mean, of them. We've seen him in small, small sample size, but Nick, it's hard for an interior defensive lineman to stick out to you know, if you if you're just watching ball watching, mm-hmm. it's hard for them to stick out. But right. him, he he you notice him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. You because do. of the brute force and power and quickness he all has. The punch. Yes. Especially when that he gets singled up. I mean anytime he gets singled up it should be I'm you know, a blown-up play is, I think, what Brad White was getting at there. But he's a guy, you know, he he was a really, really high-rated recruit. Kentucky got – that was a huge recruiting win. Mm-hmm. And now he's a junior now. He's draft eligible. So now it's time, you know, now it's time where they can put play at 20 plays a game and get 20 plays of max effort. I think before it was just, let's if you can get 10 out of him, you'll, you'll take it. But now yeah. they run him to take the next step. Yeah, and, and Darren Kennard, a guy who's uh... – Pretty soft-spoken, matter-of-fact, despite his badassery on the football field, that he was a guy that, like, he called out your boy Katie McDaniel, said him and J.J. Weaver have have, have really looked good. But when he's – Kennard's also getting some reps at guard. Uh, Charman, he really mixes everything up in early training camp days or kind of tosses it all up against the wall and see what's – Right, right. He's been working at those guard positions as well and said that bully is – is just that in fact he he is a bully and and to be honest like when i saw the roster uh and he was at 379 i got kind of worried bully's a guy you worry about during uh i don't worry about quarantine. him right now you worry well yes <laughs> but during the I mean. season you don't worry about him right now. like he's gonna lose probably 10 pounds a week that's true out there that's in true. august what you worry about him is when you get into october november when the practice starts getting a little lighter, you're not sweating as much. The, the what do you, does your diet go go bad, or do you stay strict on it? The the pictures from week one where he's got his shoulder, uh, his shirt rolled up, and his belly's hanging out to like week four at camp will look much different. There, there's right. <laughs> there's no. But he's always going to be a guy. He's just he's a big guy. Like he's big that's boy. well, that's his body shape, so to speak. But he's always going to have to play at a big weight. So, for him, it's all about building up that motor. How do you build it up where you can keep going, where you can play a lot of snaps? And for him, he's got to figure out what the weight what weight that is and get there and kind of stay there. And and I think that's something he's trying to figure out. Three, yeah, like you said, that 370 – what was it, 379? Yeah, yeah. He was the heaviest on the team. Now, now those rosters aren't always the most accurate mm-hmm. when it comes to height and weight, but that's a guy – not so much this year, but next year you, you think, you know, you're going to need a little bit more out of him. It's, you know, I think what Quentin Bohanna has proven that he can play a lot of snaps. I think that's why he's – one of the reasons he's so valuable and why a lot of NFL teams are kind of looking at him because of that stamina and durability he has at that size. So, Bully's got to prove that. But for right now, if you, can, if you can get 15, 20 good snaps out of him a game, I think you, you'll take it. While we're on the deal line, Josh Ali, of all people, he, he said he he had like a two statements that really kind of got me like wait 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 he what he said he said that and it was when he was asked like yeah I, I, which I love these questions of the players because they'll give you more than the coaches but like who's kind of giving you problems first he said you know this secondary is the most difficult I've had to go up against and he also went against. Mike Edwards, Derek Beatty, Lonnie Johnson, that group. So maybe it's a little recency bias in that regard. Either way, some high praise 
uh, he also couldn't remember Kelvin Joseph's names. I love it. He was just fat. I, I did watch that before we came on. It almost looks like he remembered who Kelvin Joseph was, but somebody else is called Fats. No, 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 no. He's Fats. Okay. Uh, I, I know that, but that's not – that's unless there's another Fats – no, the, the Kelvin Joseph, they they threw that the PR folks are in the no, room. Say, I okay. think they just reminded him of his name. It, it looked like he got like he just thought of Kelvin Joseph again and someone else was fast. That's how it kind of came off. That would be thought we might wild. have to do some investigative journalism. <laughs> no, that's that's what they've they've been calling him since he got there. Just fats. Just not even boss man fat, just fats, which even more Louisiana. Shout out Fats Domino. But what really got me is that before he ended, he was like, yeah, you know, secondary is really good. But, man, that front four, they're giving our offensive line some fits. And I'm thinking to myself, wait, 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 hold up. The big blue wall, this this talented group that's just loaded with all SEC prospects, NFL draft guys, uh, maybe the, the best offensive tackle duo in the SEC, they're having problems with the defensive line? That's all you had to tell me, Luckett. Iron has successfully sharpened iron. We're moving ahead. Kentucky, one of the best in the trenches in the Southeastern Conference. D- tell me I'm wrong, Luckett. One thing I do want to say, though, is Kentucky pass blocking-wise, they haven't done that in a while. So, <laughs> and if you go back to their 2018 numbers, they weren't great. their sack rate was up there. Now, a lot of that had to do with Terry Terry. Wilson, an inexperienced quarterback, but just – just straight up pass pro, they weren't they weren't the best. So that could be, you know, they're probably knocking off some rust. But yeah, you're right. I still think that's a good sign that they're deep, like we we'll get back to the defensive lines point. But I, I think we also need to recognize that, like, well, how we talk about UK offensive line is mainly due for what they do in the run game. Right. They right. have to, they have true. to make some growth in the pass in the pass pro. And that's uh, kind of like what Eddie said, uh, referring back to the offense on Saturday. The offense did well on Saturday because. That was the first time the defense had had everything thrown up at them. So, like, they're a little rusty getting mm-hmm. in their alignments and whatnot. Just the same way with, uh, like, like you mentioned, the pass blocking. This is definitely the first week or two-ish or a lot of kind of knocking rust off. Now, luckily, they, they had those yeah. as great. OTAs calls. helped. Yeah, yeah. That, that really helped them get ahead. But they're knocking some rust off, but I, I still – the amount of shout outs just at the defensive line in general. Brad White giving them the the looks good in shorts stamp of approval. Mm-hmm. Those freshmen, their ultimate looks good in shorts crew. Right. That's the uh that's the old sign of y'all look good now, but let's see. Let's see oh. when you get punched in the mouth. And it Your was first first uh Oklahoma drill or whatever they do now. I think that would have – he said that even before they had shoulder pads on too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, like the the word today was their legs were heavy. Their walls are being hit by some of those young guys. But he, here's the, the point I wanted to bring up like it. The young guys that have been making an impact, the guys who are consistently getting their names thrown out there, it's the same group. Of this group of young guys – Who's getting the earliest shout outs? What do you who do you think is the most significant? For this year, it's uh, Vito Tisdale. For in the future, Bo Allen. Oh, oh, interesting. Interesting. Didn't go with any pass catchers on any of these. Those are just to me what I, I mean, what I'm hearing is like Vito Tisdale's gonna play. Which is wow. And he might have the inside track of potentially starting over guys like or Ahead of a guy that just this is what we're taking, like all those guys that registered last year, like MG, MJ Devonshire mm-hmm. and all those dudes. It just sounds like he's Moses kind Douglas. of a guy, that, yeah, that can compete for a guy that could potentially get snaps and nickel and dime packages. And the the word they use too is the physicality, and also the guy's just got some well, yeah. swagger to him. Like he, he's, he's got, told- well, he's a safety who can play all the field. He could probably drop in coverage. He could probably put, cover the slot. Um, it could probably be a guy that you can, you know, send on different type of blitzes and stuff like that. So he's got some versatility there in his game where he can he can do a lot of things. Whereas some other guys that maybe just strictly corners like Joel Williams mm-hmm. um, are not as you know as versatile as that. So it's easier for a guy like Tisdale who can move around um, to get on the field quicker. 
Well, and the the thing about Tisdale too is like he he was one of those who's who'd been ranked so high for so long. Weird recruit, weird kind of recruitment because he blew up real early. It, he blew up, had all kinds of offers. Looked like maybe an LSU lean at one point. Oklahoma too. Like. Oklahoma was in there, and then like June, like I guess summer going into the senior year, something happened, and it just kind of got it got real quiet um, in his recruitment. And then, like his senior year, he he put out like no senior tape on Huddle. For- I'm wondering if really like he just committed to Kentucky early and was just yeah like, just I'll shut just it be down. Quiet, so nobody tries to. Yeah, it could have. Yeah, it could have been one of those. Know. But he doesn't commit. He doesn't commit to the Army All American game. Right. And then he, he commits did, to Kentucky. And he, he, but he sees his ranking his drop. He sees his ranking drop. I think in part because of that because he didn't play just, the game. It, it was yeah. It was eerily quiet. Like it seemed like something maybe kind of weird was going on there um, who knows what it is but it seemed like you know the original ranking of him where he was like I think a legit top 200 prospect by mostly everybody mm-hmm. um, was more accurate instead he ended up being like a high three star but and, but he, he, hearing his name early was not really something I expected and to hear it multiple times and that he's making plays in practice I think is a really really good sign not just for this year but I think really next year um, well, after you lose a couple guys in the secondary and, and that, that's where I thought like okay when I heard, okay, Vito Tisdale is a guy, same thing with Carrington Valentine. Those were mostly just Valentine's athleticism. It's like, okay, well, that's good for, you know, a year or two from now. But then going into the second practice of the preseason, Vito tells Cedric Dorp for practice, I'm going to get two picks a day. And it had a very Benny Snell like kind of feel to it where yeah. you're like, okay, freshman, you're you're full of it. You know, like, where, where, where are you, you getting ever, off of this? And then he goes out and gets two picks in practice. Like, that's you remember the Jake, Drake Jackson story about Benny? Yeah. Like a dinner before the season started. So they he told eating, him all he was going to – Yeah, eat wings or something. Eating wings, yeah. Said, I'm going to run for 1,000 yards with y'all SEC or something. Like that. Yeah, and they were just like, like okay. dude, this guy's crazy. Like, who the hell are you? Which, by the way, have you seen Benny? He's uh, dropped some LBs. Good. He's Good. down to two twelve. So yeah, Good. I, I noticed too on ESPN they have him as second on the depth chart for the Steelers behind That's Connor, good. which is good because he won him ahead of Samuels. I, I worry about that getting like the third down reps as like a pass catcher. But anyway, and enough Benny Snell. Back to to Vito Tisdale and some of the other freshmen. The one that I I, I thought you were going to go flipped or I thought you were going to say Mike Drennan would be the one for this year just because of what he can do yeah. when you get him in the slot. I think that and was then, kind of expected, though. I think that's why I probably leaned away from it because we knew that he, his skill set is something that they, the roster just desperately needs is that kind of playmaking ability. And, and unlike Lynn Bowden, like, Lynn got there a week late, never played receiver. Right. Yeah, I mean, so, Drennan got there late, too, but not as late as Lynn. Right, right, right. He, he hasn't missed any practices. He just got here in June instead of, you know, with half the other freshman class. Right. But I think he's a guy, like, obviously they're going to have to manufacture touches for him and all that. Um, but, Man, but I mean, it's it's good to see him make play. It's good to see him live up to that billing early. Yes. And and also, like, the, the pictures he posted of him uh, basically air Jordaning a, a football with one hand, I'm sure it was just kind of mm-hmm. like a, a, a toss-up drill. Yeah. Still looks very cool, especially when he's – uh, next to a skateboard, and when I posted that, I, I was surprised. Like, it only got one person being like, "What? What is he doing on a skateboard? You got to get off the skateboard." <laughs> I broke my ankle in three different places, and it, it just it. What, 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 I, he's got so much on the line; he can't be on a skateboard. I'm probably. I'm pretty sure he's probably more athletic than the guy <laughs> who you're talking to there on the Twitterverse. Yeah, yeah. Listen, man. Um, is it the smartest thing to do? Maybe not, but yeah. you don't do the smartest things in college. Oh yeah, better, much better to be a dumbass on a skateboard than be a <laughs> dumbass at a party, especially yeah. like me and you were. Yeah, there you go. yeah, exactly. I, so I've got I had some people screaming outside my house, and a little south end throwdown. Man, now that I've got this baby, like I just every time I hear something, it the hair stands up on the back of my neck, and like. <gasps> Like what? What the hell is going on here? Um, it 
Nothing, nothing worse than having that baby wake up. Those dad, oh, dad instincts uh, sneaking up on you. It's my spidey senses tingling. <laughs> uh, the the other name that you mentioned that I wanted to bring up that I think this was a victim of me tuning out during part of when Stoops was talking on Saturday because I got distracted by something else he said. But Stoops gave Bo Allen a shout out, and I, I guess I just glossed over it. But then <laughs> when asking Eddie Grand today, Eddie gave a glowing review. Uh, I'm a football uh, junkie. Yeah, a football junkie, and who's just—he said he's loved everything he's done. He's really making all the right throws. And from, I mean, the the folks around the practice are echoing that sentiment. This isn't Grand just gassing up a guy who's not going to play for a couple of years. And man, does that feel good to hear? Like it, just a quarterback being and being accurate too. Like that—that was that was the build on him coming out of high school. In in. And I go back to what Austin again said in our football podcast, and this this had to do with kicking. But you know what? It applies to everything. It's hard to teach accuracy. You can get stronger. You, you know, you can you can do some things. You can quicken that release up. That you you can work on your. You can improve your footwork. But accuracy, sometimes you just either guide it or you don't. Right. And and, and Bo Allen's got it, and it's great to hear that that's translated so far. And it made me wonder, like it, like, I, I'm, I, it, 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 could this be another Xavier Peters situation where we all just get all worked up over the transfer yeah. waiver for Joey Gatewood, and he just never plays it down? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it'd be again, hilarious. For, I don't think it's gonna year, happen, but it'd be fun. I think, I think it, it just gets you in a good spot that you got a guy that you, they feel confident in, and I think you should be confident in. And he, they said today, he's making alerts. So really, what that means is he sees a defensive formation that offense needs to be in a better set or better kind of type of play. And he's checking to that already. Like, Oh, you know, uh, just three practices, a spring ball and uh, some OTAs and a couple practices. He's already doing that. So he's already kind of mastering the playbook. And we've talked about what this raw receiver recruiting and how this influx of talent is coming in at receiver. And that's how you fix the passing game. So when Bo Allen gets there, he's going to have the best crop of receivers program has had since Keenan Burton, Steven Johnson were playing back in 07. Mm-hmm. So that he's going to have, he's going to have success or he's going to have weapons built around him for success and that you're seeing him in these early stages, really kind of um, overachieving or ahead of schedule, I think is a really good thing for the future of the offense. And, to kind of go to your point too, when you when you talked about the just how well he's already picked up the offense, uh, I, I think some of that probably has to do with the fact that he's just been around the program for so long. But I think it also helps that you have. Um, let's see, I can't. Oh, I forget his name. I've got the roster pulled up right here. His uh, his high school coach, Mark Perry. Mm-hmm. He's a quality controller, so he has limitations. Uh, on the practice field, but the ability to just communicate uh, with a guy like that to they there's a level of Can't comfortability hurt. there, in uh, just the way that Bo's been around the program. I mean, he's lived around the street for you know God knows how long. He's been at practice. He's seen how these operate. There's a comfortability level there, and also with the guys that he's been you know targeting, uh, throwing the ball to, and 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 one of those guys that has been mentioned a lot was Isaiah Cummings, and. I get the sense that even though he 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 might not be the we're, we're going to play him all the time. I, I get the sense that he's going to be he was, in spots. He was one of my sneaky candidates of a kid that's going to play early, just because of that big physical receiver they don't really have outside of Allen Daly right now. And then if you watch that kid in high school, he was. Uh, a selfless football player. They would mm-hmm. move him into tight end. He would block and he would co-cock linebackers in the <laughs> run game. So he, he's got some tools there from a blocking and physicality standpoint that really fits into kind of uh, the program's MO um, and their culture, their identity of that physical nastiness. And I think that's something that the coach is going to really love about him. And then you can throw a guy like Cummings on special teams. Like he can be on punt team. He can be on punt return. He can be on kickoff. He can be on kickoff return. He can play. All, he can play every specialty. 
and, and, and they they could make help him get on the field early. And then you start looking at these the freshman rules, like a kid like him, why not just play him all ten games now? He's going to get a redshirt year anyway, right? So you don't even have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. And oh man, you were talking about a great time to have that rule. Haven't with this class, they always right. get a free pass on a year. The thing about Cummings too that I you didn't see a lot of it on tape, and it wasn't his fault. Mail just didn't have a very good quarterback last year. He just didn't like, for the lack of a better term, he didn't get a lot of targets. But yeah. it wasn't his fault. He he's got some like he's gonna have to prove that he can beat, you know, man coverage. Um, can he get separation from receivers? Can he be more than a jump ball kind of guy? Because that's what he is right now. He's mm-hmm. a jump ball receiver. Can he develop more um, in his route running? Can he? prove that he can be a guy that can get open. But for right now, his ceiling is jump ball and knock the crap out of the the defender across from him and then contribute on special teams. And that's a guy who can play right away. That's why I think he will. Play in some spots. And to those kind of attributes that you said that he's obviously going to have to work on, he's not going to be a day one guy when it comes to having great, you know, perfect releases, especially against man coverage and whatnot. But that was something that uh, Josh Ali talked about with, with Coach Bo Knight, Coach Bo. Uh, he's simply known as to most, where I, you've seen this with Mark. Like, this is, what, the fifth wide receivers coach he's had? And th- it's really been a rotating door. And I think for Stoops, he kind of – it's the one spot he hasn't had a lot of – he hasn't had a success fighting one. He's been great at pretty much every position, uh, you know, all the most – all those guys who've gone somewhere else have had success and, and continue rising to the coaching ranks, except at wide receiver spot. And I think that kind of like Eddie Grand, he's been he's been looking for that guy to kind of be the hard ass in the room, but that also can still have that wide receiver swagger about him. You know, it, it, it's tough to like finding that line of being the cool trash talking wide receiver coach. Who who kind of gets the swag behind the position, but also can can be a, a, a stern uh, person who's who's going to hold the players accountable. And just from the early comments that that, that we've got today, that's really accountability was the word that Grant used. Uh, and and I, I think his not only past the the way he had success as a player, like he wasn't this big recruit he went to freaking wyoming for god's yeah. sake he was a running but, back you know he had to learn uh-huh. by being a tactician and i think that that the the players understand that like this dude knows what he's talking about and so and, and that's really what the players need right now is somebody to to go through the little things after they've had a year of just kind of being you know <laughs> a, a sideshow of sorts for this offense and just a little bit of research i've done on him i watched some some of his interviews and like coaching clips when he was at Oregon and Utah State. But back to his playing days at Wyoming, he walked the walk. He he developed into a guy who like led the country in receiving or led him in receptions or something, ranked really high. Mm-hmm. Was like an all American at Wyoming. Yeah. And then he starts his coaching career and he comes off as very, very like very serious and very uh, as like a tactician. That's that's how he comes off as a coach. So you're getting a guy who's played at a high level who who can tell the players, you know, I've done it, who could show probably cut-ups of himself doing it a certain way um, and can put post his numbers on the board there in the receiving room. But but also um, I think he's got kind of created coaching chops to where he can be a guy that they, they really kind of respect both ways. Guy he played, can relate to, but as a coach, he knows what the hell he's talking about. And, that's the right mix they're looking for. Yeah, and just the uh, – th- that's really the only – I guess you got Frank Buffano. So, there, there's a little bit of change uh, on the coaching staff, but for the most part, it stayed the same. And Yeah. And Buffano's had a position, too, where – I mean, like, he was – Stoops is coaching. Stoops is – well, Stoops is coaching that position. Yeah, for a lot yeah. of practice. You know what I'm saying? That's why I feel I feel bad for uh, Brad White because Feldman did like this list of like top. Yeah, that was a bunch of that was some crap, man. <laughs> the fact that they you go over Brad that list White if you out. want to. Yeah, um, that was that was some crap. I mean, they included the Louisville. DC. That's because Feldman uh, he's cool with the staff. I mean, I like yeah. Bruce, but but like let's you like who you like. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean there there is a little uh, you scratch my back. 
that, yeah, that, that list was some. I didn't love that list. And Derek Ainsley on there. Yeah, that, that uh, list was some crap. If you if you're gonna have the Missouri defensive coordinator on there, he needs to have Brad White needs to be on there. <laughs> oh, speaking of lists that were a bunch of crap, like it. What are your thoughts on the AP Top Twenty Five? Man, <laughs> like we could. I understand why that. Like from a historical standpoint, they wanted to like honor these teams to say they could at least be in the AP Top Twenty Five. And yeah, so, like, I, teams I like Ohio State can continue their streaks, whatever streaks they have going. Okay. But do you remember uh, Northwestern was in the top 25 last year? Mm, yeah. Pre-season? Yeah, because I thought Hunter Johnson was going to be the truth. Yeah. You know why they did that? It's because um, they had a Clemson transfer quarterback, and they were like, oh, you know, Nardu- or not Narduzzi. Pat Fitzgerald wins a lot. So let's put them in there. So there was a lot of that towards the back of the top 25, like Iowa. Iowa lost a lot off last year's team. They're just kind of throwing them a bone to Ferentz. Mm-hmm. And then you go you go down and you look at um, the Herm receiving Edwards. votes. You're receiving votes. Like, we, we've gone all over ad nauseum about this Louisville stuff in this Satterfield love fest. But, but like, Herm Edwards in Arizona State being there, Makes absolutely no no, no sense. (laughs) That makes, like, zero sense to me. They got a new offensive coordinator from Boise State, Zach Hill. New defensive coordinator, Marvin Lewis. They just brought off off the analyst team. Marvin's with Herm? That's perfect. That's a match made in heaven. Marv was his, like, chief of staff. Or, like, how he termed it was last year, he coached the coaches. (laughs) So, Nick, listen to this. Listen to this. So when it'd be in game management situations, they would go to the sideline and they would show Herm and Marvin would over be over there telling him stuff, like in in the Can two you, minute, in the in the half, in you know fourth and short at fifty yard lines. Can you think you know, of a worse management. person for that position? Well, Marvin Lewis, I love him. He did, he did really good stuff for the Bengals. I'll take out the playoffs aside, but yeah, he's not like <laughs> the, he's not the, the top situational of the line in game coach. Managed. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah so he's our defensive coordinator the defensive coordinator left um i think he's at syracuse now and uh he's their, no the defensive coordinator uh got it's a new mexico head coach that's danny gonzalez um so yeah so they're going from they had a three three five and now they're switching like to a four three for under marvin well, anyway they, they made that list because one herm's a big name and that jane daniels is a real deal he's a first round talented quarterback Oh, okay. But okay, okay. but if you look at their efficiency numbers and what they returned, they weren't going to be good. I mean, they're going to be like a seven five. They would have been a seven five eight four team, uh, maybe competing for a top twenty five spot. Like Jake Daniels, I really like, but they had a lot of unknowns, and so to do that over Kentucky, well, some other teams, it just when you when you look at what Kentucky has, it's just. Um, I hate to say this, and I think it's when we throw out too much. But that the lack of respect, or just the lack of not knowledge, not doing the research. I think you've seen some of these some of these people that do the research and look at analytics mm-hmm. and take a deeper dive into this stuff. Have had Kentucky in the top twenty five or pretty close to it, and then you see some of these more old school way of thought have not. And I think that's pretty telling. Well, and, and you know what though, I'm fine with it. Like I, I, I love writing posts. That's yeah. just like yeah, but it, they, more it is a big deal. It, uh, it Kentucky hasn't been ranked in the preseason top twenty five since seventy eight. They've got a team that should be in it, and they're not in it. I mean, it's it's kind of a big deal. Like, like what are we doing? Mark Stoops been here seven years, bro. Like y'all need to wake up. Like start, you know, paying attention to what's going on here. I I do like that you mentioned too the guys who who really kind of dig into the analytics and stuff which was kind of striking when you juxtapose what Cole Kublik had to say about that Auburn matchup and then the the CBS sports guys uh, on the cover three podcast I, I I don't listen regularly but you know I'll chime in from time to time and they did their SEC's win totals which we're, we're, we're going to dive into win totals next week that that's going to be a fun fun episode but none of the four guys even like mentioned Auburn as a toss-up game. Whereas, like, Kublik, an Auburn graduate, is picking Kentucky to beat Auburn. Yeah, other today. than Barton. Barton Simmons said, I think he, they, he thought Kentucky was going to win. But, yeah, aside from that, like, all the rest of them were – that. go ahead and writing down the five and five because they'd have to be perfect against their beatable teams. And then 
uh, quote unquote upset Tennessee to to get over that five and a half. Which you know what you can debate all you want, but just the fact that none of them had even considered, uh, well, had really ever considered that. I think about that is too. Nick. Auburn is pretty wild. Uh, I mean, Kentucky's going to get somebody. Like they're going to upset someone. Last year it was Missouri as a double digit dog. Year before that, Florida as a double digit dog, and Mississippi State as a double digit dog. Um, year before that, they won at South Carolina. Year before that, Ford Town touchdown dog on the road against Louisville. And most of those, like half of those, or more than half of those wins that came at home are on away, excuse me. So they've proven they can, they're not just a home team that can strike them against somebody. They can go somewhere and beat somebody too. So, like, for me, when I look at Kentucky's schedule, like they're going to get somebody, but I also think they're going to trip up against someone too. Um, it's just making sure, I think, that you don't trip up more than once and, can you pull more than one upset? If you can do that, then it's going to be an historic season. Yeah, yeah. And, and we talked about the schedule at length, so I don't want to get into it. But what I do want to get into that we brought up Auburn, you you brought something to my attention that Auburn did over the weekend that I I I, I, I don't I, – I, really, Gus Malzahn? Like, really? Yeah, Auburn had, Auburn had a scrimmage this past Saturday. Uh, Malzahn um, said they ran, like, I believe it was like 90-something plays. So, and I'm assuming it was full pads. I don't know how you would have a scrimmage without full pads. But, yeah, I, that's that's very quick to get into full pads. I think the rule is they, can have, two, they have to have two practices without it, and then after that they can go in. It was I pulled up here, 92-play scrimmage. <laughs> and not only that, they went live field goal, live field goal block, and six reps of live punt return. That's nobody does that, like ever with yeah, live. I was fair. I was pretty shocked by that when I was I was tuned in for his press conference because what we want to do here, um, as training camps going on, I kind of want to just give you all kind of update of what's going on ooh, some other places. And, ooh, is this a segment alert? Are we getting Luckett's training camp corner? This is I don't know what we're gonna call it. Luckett's yeah. SEC training camp corner. Yeah, I'll go around the SEC with Luckett. Dude, yeah, dude, this will be Luckett's uh, Luckett's bus because it kind of like how Madden had the bus. So yeah, there you go. SEC training camp bus. Yeah, right, let's hop on the bus. <laughs> All right, Luckett. Where are Luckett, we LTCB Luckett's training camp bus. So obviously <laughs> Auburn Auburn is scrimmaging right now, which is kind of surprising. Um. And a quick note on Auburn, Bo Nix last year was like a Jekyll and Hyde. He was good at home, bad on the road. Like, I'm going to pull these stats out later, but just get ready for that. Like, get ready to hear those stats hit over our head as this game approaches. How good he was at Jordan-Hare and how bad he was away from It's kind of like as we go into Derby, the amount of times we're going to be reminded that Right. Oh, this is the first time. It's not the first leg of the triple crown, and this is the first right. time it's not in the like. It, we're we're just gonna hear it on and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. And the the biggest news, Nick, from this past week for me at least was Kirby Smart at his kind of, you know, the the press conference before practice starts, um, where he's just kind of taking questions, meeting with the media for the first time. And Kirby, I thought, had an interesting quote. Now, of course, they're bringing in this new offensive coordinator, and they're supposed to. Um, supposed to like open up the offense mm-hmm. and all Todd this Munkin. stuff, modernize the offense. Southern Miss and Kirby, yeah, Kirby gets on there and says, "I have never in my head coaching career got on the headset, got on offensive coordinator's headphones, and said, let 'Let's run the ball right here.' Are you buying or selling that, Nick Crouch? <laughs> oh man, oh man. You know what? I bet Mark Stoops would love to say that if we didn't have the SEC Network just filming him over and over saying, "Give the ball to Benny, give the ball to Benny," and that game against Vanderbilt. Yeah, ain't that yeah. the biggest? I think, just you know, I what? think that's the ultimate uh, ultimate truth or lie litmus test for a coach. Have you ever got on on the offensive coordinator's headset and told him to run a specific play? <laughs> if he says yes, he's telling the truth. If he says no, he's he's lying right to your face. Well, and Kirby said that, and I was just like, I said, I don't know, I don't know about that, there, Kirby. I mean, especially with all these defensive coaches, like yeah, they yeah, they absolutely. they want to keep the ball on the ground to kind of take the pressure off their defense. That, that, Kirby, you ain't fooling nobody. Yeah, I mean, it, you just aren't. You aren't. Also at Georgia, they've had some QB health issues. JT yeah. Daniels is not cleared yet. Mm-mm. With ACL. 
and Jamie Newman, who had injuries last year, missed time last year with injuries. He had a, some type of calf strain that they had to keep him out for three weeks leading up to practice. Hmm. So that's just something to keep an eye on with them. The, Can they stay healthy at that quarterback position? Right, because on paper, those guys, they went from nothing to a whole lot of something right away. It, at least with – I'm assuming that Daniels transferred kind of under the assumption that – Yeah, I think he, he kind of knew that. Right he, away because right. Right. Which which makes more sense now when you look at that move, why he would go there with Jamie Newman already uh, on the roster. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, especially because Newman is a guy who, I mean, he, he's not uh, a run-first guy, but he, he moves around a lot. Uh, so health is a – Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could you use know. him in the read option game where he can keep it a couple times a game. And, and, and at Wake Forest, I felt like he was running for his life all the time and just slinging it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the the one injury news that uh, I, I we're getting to that one too. Oh, okay. Let's get to it. Let's go up to Columbia, okay. shall we? We'll go over to Columbia. Okay, South Carolina got this running back by the name of Marshawn Lloyd. I think's his name. He's out of Dematha in in the DMV. You know, mm-hmm. Dematha's more known for kind of their basketball prowess, but this kid played at Dematha Catholic mm-hmm. out of the DMV, and he is South Carolina's highest rated running back um, since Marshawn Lattimore. And so, if you if you go and look at their running backs under Muschamp, it hasn't been all that great. Um, they've been really looking for a, a you know a dude at running back. And this guy was supposed to be it, five like five ten, five nine, two hundred fifteen, two hundred twenty pounds. He's just built to be a workhorse. And like he was a guy that was probably going to be uh, one of the leading candidates to be probably rookie or offensive rookie of the year in the league. Um, he was going to get a bunch of carries there. And Bobo's kind of initiating kind of a pro style offense, so there was going to be more of a physical type running game he was going to be getting to the run right. game remember right. right getting under center and he was he this kid was a big part of all that i think and he tore his acl in a non-contact drill they mm. just had helmets on just practicing mm. and so he's out for the year and that's a big big loss for them because i think he's the best player on their offense right now so without him their their group of running backs you look at uh, it's probably the worst running back group in the sec right now not outside of nashville when you just look at them overall, and I just think in a new offense, they got they got a tons of quarterback issues. Out at wide receiver, they lost Brian Edwards, who's their all-time leading receiver, a year after losing Debo, who was Mister Everything for them. So at receiver, there there a lot of you know you don't know, and an offensive line has been a struggle for them for a while. You know, Bobo's a a guy who's got a pretty good proven track record as a play caller, but. You look at what he has to work with over there, and it just doesn't look good for them right now. The way that we've kind of made the Egg Bowl a reoccurring theme on the show, the Will Muschamp hot seat, I think that's going to be a reoccurring theme throughout the season because mm-hmm. just the the tenor at which fans kind of react to how because like the opener against Tennessee is so important. I mean, I mean, it is so important for them. They have, if they don't win that game, I mean, the season's going to go on the crapper. Pretty fast. Because then they'll be, I think, uh, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but Vanderbilt is really their only winnable game until the bye after that. Because they got like Florida, uh, Alabama, LSU. I mean, they've got a pretty front-heavy schedule. So, like you said, if if they don't beat Tennessee right away, they're in trouble. And the the thing is with Muschamp is even from last year, it's – he got the – you know what, we're we're not – we believe in you long term. This schedule sucked. Like that that schedule they had last year was a, a kick in the ass, and they beat Georgia, so that that gave them enough hope. Yeah. But th- then, if you like, like what the kind of standards by how the record is will dictate. Like, I, I don't even know what the record is that would either keep Muschamp or get him fired. I have no idea what that could be right now because hell, even if you won win four games, like that's probably a good year for South Carolina. And, and, mm-hmm. and so like i guess you keep him around but how how bad how bad does it have to get you know for for them to Four be of their like, first, all right we're, we're, getting, we're pulling the trigger right five of their first six are against preseason top 25 teams and that's not even counting georgia so you look at that right just that right there in general and one of those the one that's not is vanderbilt which is a must win for them so getting out of the gate I think beating Tennessee is really, really important for him early. Mm-hmm. Um, 
what's uh can we go down to Gainesville? Yep, that's also take on the, the list. The bus down there. <laughs> go down to uh, Dan Mullen Land, and basically, they start practice, and four pivotal players aren't there. They ask Mullen about it. He gives an answer like, "Well, I don't really know. You have to ask them about it." <laughs> yeah, that's a little weird. We need some more Dan Mullen impression. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, so then it goes on, and then finally, slowly, they. Each of them, like, kind of releases some cryptic stuff on Twitter. Like, Trayvon Grimes says something about um, – an old Miss player tweets something, I think, and he close tweets it and just, like, has a wink, like, talking about game one, but doesn't say, like, he's playing or not. Mm-hmm. And then Zachary Carter um, tweeted uh, – he was a defense end, had another thing with, like, a, a no tweet he had that was uh, not, not for sure he was playing or not. While Kadarius Tony and Jacob Copeland didn't say anything. And then finally, I think yesterday, um, they were all at practice and they confirmed that they were playing. But it was weird. It was weird that it went a week, um, and it's nothing really happened. Which also, Florida, we think we have it bad here when it comes to rosters. Florida still doesn't have a roster out for the season. <laughs> and you, but you know what? If they didn't have those guys on the roster, then their tight end Kyle Pitts is like the yeah. only guy back. Which, so you thought it, it looked like they could be in real trouble, but now they're all playing. But that's probably a, a, a situation we still need to monitor. Yeah, I mean, I would certainly it seems like, like a bullet dodge for right now. And, and it's something that Drew brought up on the the football podcast. You know, what if the wheels start spinning for a team, and then all of a sudden their top players are just like, you know what, I don't need to play this season anymore. I like, like Florida loses some early games. That they they lose the cocktail party again. Those or does guys the team tank just, like Houston did last year and just yeah. be like, we're red shirt anyway. Let's just we're back it in, get hurt, get some other guys some experience, and run it back next season. Especially if a prominent player gets hurt, like a quarterback or something. Right, 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 right. And, and, and then one, I was just going to say, ahead. and for guys like Tony, and I don't know what Grimes' year is, but like Tony's a, a solid day two draft pick. Um, yeah. So like, Grimes, you know, this is Grimes' last year. He'll be a draft pick. Yeah, so like those those guys, you you could see them wanting to preserve their stock and just being like, eh, maybe I don't need to stick around and play UK in the second to last game of the year. Just just something to keep an eye on. And then last stop, Ole Miss had uh, it wasn't really a scrimmage, but I think they kind of got out seven on seven type thing. And they asked Kiffin about it, and he admitted that John Rice Plumley had a couple turnovers, and that Matt Corral um, is the leader of the two right now. Oh man, Kiffin is doing this already. Doesn't he know you're supposed to not say anything for like three weeks? So uh, they asked him about it, and he kind of didn't give an answer, and they ended up giving an answer, kind of thing. Hmm. So, so Matt Corral, early lead, and that's a guy hmm. I've said I think was going to start for them all along, just because I think he fits more what Kiffin offense needs, which is a guy who can complete vertical passage, which probably is run first. While Corral, we saw what he did in the Egg Bowl. He can right, complete, right, right. Rock. Now that we brought up quarterback competition, I'm I'm going to take the wheel and drive this bus to Como, and because I need to shove Eli Drinkwitz in a locker. All right, I've I've got the itch, and I just need to need to dunk him in because uh, they have a quarterback competition. God knows mm-hmm. who it's between. If we're going to be quite honest with you, but when asked who who, who who's who's in the lead, he he flat out said he didn't even tr- do the Mark Stoops let's play a poker face and th- say oh they did some good things and they did some bad things he did the we're not gonna say who our starter is we're gonna make Alabama plan for them all what do you think and, ba- Saban did when he saw that I mean Saban probably spit up his his uh, oatmeal Coffee. cream pie <laughs> yeah. I mean you know what I mean like it was yeah. like oh because we don't have enough guys to watch film on all your quarterbacks, you moron. Like I like I like what he said about he brought up all these different coaches with these different offensive backgrounds. Like, yeah, like that's you're running your offense, dude. Like <laughs> we know you ain't like we know it's not just gonna be this this glob of seven offensive you you, you know put together like play doh no, You're running what you did at App State last year, you more like I, I, I want to like at least give him some credit for doing things differently and like I, I've almost reached the point that, like, Missouri, they're, they're just weird. So, like, okay, f- cool. You've got a nerd as your coach who's just – he does this weird little nerd stuff and catches attention. It's a fun little gimmick. But, my goodness, it's still just, like, just uh, 
oh god you stupid nerd like eh. mm-hmm. i can't help it like it i I'm just I, I am what i am i'm a big meathead at the end of the day big meathead it's going to be fun um watching uh, the drink of wits experience this year i think he's in for a little bit of a, a baptism by fire yeah i think so good even if he would have had uh, Kelly Bryant, like, he might have had a little bit more to work with, but, man. Yeah. One of the quarterbacks in that competition, do you remember the name Connor Basilak? Yeah. he uh, Kentucky recruited. Is he, he, he's from Ohio, I believe. Yeah. He's and a redshirt he freshman. He needs to be committed elsewhere, right? Yeah, he's at Missouri. Yes, I can't remember where. That sounds right. It was like a Texas Tech or uh, – you know, it, it was somewhere kind of that, that – it's, yeah, it's, it's him and a TCU transfer – my guess is they'll throw the TCU transfer out there early because their schedule is pretty front-loaded. And then Basilac probably takes over towards the end of the season. Did I also hear that uh, – <laughs> did I also hear that Ryan Helensky is probably not going to be the uh, starter? Yeah, that's a full-on competition. <laughs> because Bobo brought a quarterback with him from yeah. – he's from South Carolina, I believe. Yeah, who's um, at Colorado State grad State. transfer. Mm-hmm. Man, that's wild. Holinsky didn't have, no, you know, Kentucky. He, Kentucky was awful against him, but he had a pretty crummy year as a true freshman. So how he bounces back, and they're already switching coordinators and quarterback coaches on him. That's not really a recipe for success. Mm-hmm. No, you're exactly right. Uh, now look at now that our bus is, has been to a variety of destinations. I, I'm I'm not sure if what we've missed on in today's show because I feel like we have touched on quite a few different topics but you know i just i i would be remiss if if we if we miss one out of nowhere um other than i I did like that mark stoops uh when talking about terry wilson's first time kind of kind of back at it he was like man you know terry he just takes off and running i want to have a quick whistle and he's even faster you know too fast for that uh so it's good that he doesn't have hesitancy uh since he's retired how about grant saying this is the fastest install he said I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's good <laughs> it's the value of upperclassmen that well just look at the roster uh quarterback senior quarterback in their third year starting you've got three redshirt senior multi-year starters on the offensive line a multi-year starter redshirt senior at tight end um a senior in josh ali who's supposed to be your best receiver who's played a lot of football aj rose um, senior yeah A.J. Rose, a redshirt senior, starting running back. Mm-hmm. Um, your, your other receivers, Alan Daly, Cleavon Thomas, are upperclassmen. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's a lot of, you know, experience on that roster. So, that, I mean, it's not a surprise, but it's definitely good to hear. Because I, I guarantee you there's a lot of experience offenses that probably wouldn't move as fast. Well, and, and, and when we're in this period where Grant's throwing everything up against the wall to see what sticks – he can throw literally everything against the wall now that everybody has seen this at some point. There's not any sort of new jargon that they've got to learn. Like this is the offense that they've had their entire careers at UK. Uh, So just to know that like, you're going to have, you know, we talked about the kind of benefits 12 personnel. I don't know if that's going to be that, but let's just say it is they're They're going to know who their best kind of groupings are by game one. When you don't have, that sort of tune-up game, it's going yeah, to be real important, really important to know this year. your best mm-hmm. personnel, whereas the team on the other side, that they, they, they're not going to have that luxury. They just aren't. Speaking of 12 personnel, you got Rig to get going on that a little bit. Yeah, he didn't really want to bite that. And that's that's, that's the other downside to, to Zooming because, like, let, let's be honest, like it, we've gotten used to it because we've been talking at each other through this thing for an hour. But if you're on a regular, normal Zoom meeting type setting that has a lot of people on it, you really just want to be quick in and out. And so that's what it's another kind of downside to the to the Zoom talks is they, they, they typically a little bit harder to get some of those guys going. Well, you don't get the the social cues like you do in public or face to face interaction. Are there any players that you're surprised really haven't come up a lot so far? Yeah. I mean, we're weak in. And to the yin to the yang, with all the praise for Vito Tisdale, it's been like the opposite for Devontae Robinson. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, you're. I just I don't I don't I don't like the way that that's kind of true now now some of it's probably like he's a year removed from injury 
They're going to take it easy on him. But how much is it just like he's just not as good as those other guys, you know, like a Jordan Griffin kind of situation where like he's just going to get passed up, you know? Yeah, maybe. Um, that surprised me. Phil Hoskins, surprised we really haven't heard about him yet. No, nothing at all, really. And then Keaton Upshaw, it's been eerily quiet. I wonder if that's by design. That that I, I bet that is because of the way that they kind of hyped him up last year. Um, so, you know, maybe this is their way of subtly challenging him without going right out and, and saying it publicly. Because if you notice, the, the guys that they've challenged publicly – are up like they're seniors or mm-hmm. except for oliver oliver he's but he's going into his third year so like these, these are guys who've been around the block uh quite a bit and yeah it's not the first rodeo they know they can handle it and they've mm-hmm. had some success whereas like upshaw i mean hell how many passes he get thrown his way last year you know there, there hasn't been a lot of uh so you don't want to wreck the dude's confidence um uh, but so maybe this is like the first step and kind of kind of challenging mm-hmm. himself and i'm not really surprised by this one uh but justin rogers Mm-hmm. I think there's um, some growing into you know the position and stuff like that. He needs to go through, and you can't really do that in chills. You got to get out there and the full pads and play football. Well, and and I think with the just the freshman D linemen in general, right? I think it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, because you know we've you've talked a lot about how you think just high is probably the most game ready on day one well octavius oxen has also been there the longest too that's another thing too in this if once would they get a scrimmage whenever that's when you'll start to hear more of stuff like that and like how much are they working them at different spots like yeah you know i i think that matters as well because they're they're different body types um to a certain extent so i i think that's important and one other thing with the big guys that didn't we didn't mention that i think is but not as shocking as some of the things we've heard, but like the entire offensive line dropped weight, you know, good weight during quarantine. And it just, it kind of pissed me off. Like it, to be frank, like I'm over here just like dying to lose five pounds and Drake Jackson's dropping 30. <laughs> it's like, dude, you guys are the fat guys. Like you were supposed to be the one. Those big guys though, man, like as soon as they're done playing, some of those guys lose 40 pounds in like two months. It just do, flies off. Of them. I do like that. Drake's like, Man, we I lost thirty pounds and they're still saying fat jokes, you know? Like <laughs> I bet that's just a fun group, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the the one name that they mentioned was I I'm gonna be completely honest, like I never expected this guy to ever see the football field. Nick Lewis. He's just like the yeah. biggest human I've ever yeah. John Gruen. Even got the head coach mentioning. Yeah, like John Gruenschlager was a guy that I thought was gonna be the largest person I ever saw on a football field. Then Nick Lewis came to town and Six nine, three seventy five, three eighty, three nine, somewhere in there. Just a huge mm-hmm. human, and he's been the like fourth tackle, but like he wasn't ever gonna like Kennard was gonna go in wherever. He's finally to the weight or, like, where you need him. Good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they said he. I mean, he probably dropped forty three thirty area. And when you're getting shout outs, like you said, from the head coach, it's like okay, good. I, I just I love like it in doing this. The way football works, there's going to be guys that fall to the wayside. And I, I love when you have the guys that you doubt are going to make it. And you think, well, they'll probably just get caught up in the wash and transferring or something. I love hearing when guys have actually broke through that wall uh, and, and made it to the other side. And they could be another success story on the offensive line. Yeah. I mean, they've got a ton of them. It's looking like he might be trending that way. Man, and this is good. This is uh, might be another success story for a podcast. Sounds like it was a great one, if I do say so myself. Let's just go ahead and pat ourselves on the back. Let me get this knot back here and just kind of – man, uh, training camp started and the whole KSR crew is thrown at our back in some form or fashion. It's just – this is the old man bone sitting down. It'll get he defined the fountain of youth. Jesus. I, I, I have a feeling it'll, it'll be found once this season gets here. Yeah, I got to I need to get like something to stand up when I'm writing, you know. I feel like I sit down too much. Right get, now. At the office, at the old office they had some people had those uh those right, those desk risers. Mhm. The, the stand up deals. Right. Yeah. Need to get you one of those. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll figure it out. We'll tinker with it. But we, we got more football that we'll be talking about. We got more coming to the website kentuckysportsradio.com. 
just there's, there's a lot of football happening, and frankly, it's exciting. And like it, I can't wait to do it again next week. All right, sounds like a plan, but man, I think we're going to go with Tuesdays. So, listeners, yeah. expect that uh, podcast to be in your feed on Wednesday from here moving forward. Yes, I think it's yes. Plan. That good. Thank you for reminding me because it just it just makes sense. You know, we 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 get the week that happened, and then we get a little bit of teaser on Tuesdays. I'm sure you'll get the. It'll have enough time to hear what we've been. Who? What's been happening at the scrimmages? Kind of talk. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 a good time to be a Kentucky football fan, and you know what we're gonna we're gonna have a lot more coming on the website. And I, I, what the, there was something else I was gonna pimp out, and I forget what it was. Oh well, you know you'll eventually see it. We'll we'll put it out there. It'll be good. High school football's on. Oh yeah, that there we go. It's on. And North Harden and Frederick Douglass. I mean, you, you, you got to go to the practice facility if I'm more UK kids on that. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, my goodness. They're going to have gonna be double digit uh, FBS, high level FBS prospects in that game. And you know what? It's good because I think they're both 5A, and mm-hmm. those teams, they don't really play. That sounds right. They don't really play. Like, their, their districts aren't very good. Yeah, so, 5A's got them and Owensboro, Gavin Wimsett squad, all yeah. in the same division. No, uh, Somerset's 3A. Yeah, they're way but, they're two or three. They're lower. Yeah, but hey, that's going to be a fun first Friday night. And even if you know, I'm sure there's going to be attendance restrictions. They'll have a stream of that somewhere. Um, so yeah, hopefully, hope so. Something to look forward to a couple of weeks from now. But we got to get out of here. It's 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 time to to see you later. But you know what? We'll be back before you know with more from Kentucky's football preseason practice. Make sure you're following us along at Kentucky Sports Radio, reading the Monday Huddle with Adam Luckett catching up on all of the uh, practice sports Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and much, much more. Thanks a lot for listening. And remember, go Cats, go Kroger.